Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father and our God, we come before you in all humility. We ask, O oh Lord, that tonight, in everything that you are and everything that you will do, change our lives through your word. We pray, Father, that you deposit not only deep revelation, insight, and understanding, but we pray that we have a love for you, your word, and your spirit that takes absolute control over our lives. We thank you for all that Jesus has done. We yield totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we ask that Holy Spirit be our helper, be our teacher, be our guide. We pray for brevity. We pray for simplicity, insight, and understanding. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. My Father, one more thing as we go into your word tonight. I pray for miracles. I pray that your word triggers the miraculous intervention of your person in the lives of your people so that tonight is a night they never forget. We ask this, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's really, really good to be here. And I'd like to thank um, Pastor Bunny. It was absolutely wonderful to have him take last week. And this is the strangest thing about tonight. And so, ladies and gentlemen, our foundational scripture for tonight, our foundational scripture for tonight, and we're just going to dive right in, and you'll understand where we're going in a moment. Our foundational scripture, ladies and gentlemen, if you could kindly turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, and I'm going to read from 18. Um, listening to all the messages over the last six weeks or so, there is a thread that the Lord is weaving that he does not want us to miss. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to try and, and grab that thread. I mean, Pastor Isle's message on Sunday, Pastor Lyde's message, um, the night after the the altar, all the things that were declared while we were at the um, altar at the the Arena, the Obo Arena, all the things that Pastor Bumi shared last week, and and listening to um, Prophet Eckhart, you realize there is a thread that the Lord is trying to point us towards. And if you're listening um, by podcast, you are most welcome, ladies and gentlemen. And listening to all of those messages, this is the thread. And over the next few weeks, we will do our very best to use a phrase I've heard before, unpack it, so that we understand it for one simple reason, so that we don't miss what the Lord is saying. The Bible says the following in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, and the Bible says the following. Remember ye not, I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible initially. 
Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? Then the Bible says the following. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in this word. We literally are living in it, that this is what the Lord is saying, that I'm about to change everything. I'm, the paradigms are about to shift. Everything is about to change. And a lot of the things, and, and listening to some of the messages, you realize not only is God pouring out an anointing, not only is he insisting on us do something new, but he's taking us into places that he's prepared us for, things that he's gifted us for, things that we've cried out for things that we that, that the holy spirit wants to do and so ladies and gentlemen as we come into the word of god tonight we're going to look at this word but we're looking at the the lord introducing the new into our world there is a pattern that follows it follows and we want to look at that pattern over the next few weeks, ladies and gentlemen, so that we realize that what, so that not realize, so that we come to realize that this is what the Lord is doing. But we also are able to take advantage of what the Lord is doing so that we step into the new with courage. And it's listening to everything over the last five to six weeks. It's like the Lord is consistently saying the same thing. And so tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we should have a lot of fun and we're going to crack on. We're going to crack on. And so the first thing I want you to remember is this word, Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, we're living in it, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord is about to do something new. And so let's also, let's do, um, by way of introduction to what we're saying, we want to realize that if you listen to many people, this is the current thread of their messages, that something is about to change, we're stepping into the new, and a lot of things are happening. And so how does God go about it? And if you're taking notes, this is, so we'll take it point by point. Um, and so please turn in your, we're going to turn in our Bibles. We're going to, um, to go through quite a few scriptures. But the first thing we want to remember when we talk about the new, and it is this, the first thing in the pattern of the new, the first thing we want to remember is that the new, ladies and gentlemen, is always about God first. When God brings a new into the world, when God brings something new into the world, you must realize it is about him first. For a simple reason, the Lord has plans and purposes that he is adhering to and nothing is going to shake him from it. So let's have a look at the scripture that talks about this, and it should be quite fun to go through. So please turn. We're going to stay in Isaiah. Please turn to the book of Isaiah. And please come with me 
to chapter 55. And then we're going to read from 8 to 10. We're going to read from 8. We're going to read from 8 to 9 initially. We may go on from there. But this is what we want to establish, that when God introduces the new into the world, the primary focus of the new is God. And that's really important to know because it, it's, and if you look at Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19, it says so. It says, I'm going to do a new thing. Our job, but we'll come back to that. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says the following. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we realize, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord has a way of doing things and getting things done, but he also has thought out exactly what he wants to do because the lord has very detailed plans for the entirety of the universe and he systematically reveals those plans to us so that we can follow him and so when he does begin to present the new into your life what i want you to understand is it is about him first and the reason that's important is so when the new begins to happen, our primary focus is to follow him. And so this is what he says. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. But then the Bible says the following in Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11. And so we'll keep reading so that we realize that, well, God is so mysterious, we can't follow, the concept will be, he's too mysterious, we can't follow him. That's not the case. Listen to what he says. The Bible says, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So what I'd like to present is if you were to ask the earth, how come at different seasons of your life, you grow grass? And how come at different seasons of your life, the grass dies, the trees change, the earth couldn't explain it to you. And neither could the, the, the birds or the animals, they can't explain it to you. But the Lord says, because I've put in a process, all I have to do is introduce rain and the process that I have predetermined in the earth, in the birds, in the skies. And I watched a lovely documentary on this yesterday. Absolutely wonderful. And I want you to understand that he introduces it. The moment he introduces rain, things begin to change they may not want to change they may feel that we want to stay the way we are but all of a sudden leaves begin to go brown all of a sudden birds begin to fly south all of a sudden animals begin to hibernate a process that they are not in control of kicks in and the lord says all i have to do is introduce rain and then he says verse 11 
so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The Lord says, when I want to introduce the new into your world, when I want to take you into a new season, I will introduce my word into your life. And the presence of that word on your inside, in your mouth and in your thoughts, that's another subject, we'll come to that in a moment. What you realize is the intention of the Lord from that moment forward begins to govern your circumstances, your words, your thoughts and your actions. And you find yourself walking into a new season that the Lord has planned for you. He may not explain it to you. He may not explain everything that happened. Happens, but because you're holding on to his word, because you're holding on to something that he has said, you realize it begins to govern your life in a way that you that doesn't make sense yet. But let me say this really clearly, it will make sense eventually. And the Lord says, notice, when I'm bringing the new in, focus on what? My word. Don't worry about the details. Just focus on what I present to you. Focus on what I say to you. Focus on the promise that I cause you to hold on to. And all of a sudden, the word comes alive. And so what I want you to do, ladies and gentlemen, to drive this point home, let's go back to Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. And let's see what the Lord says. Um, so we're going back to 43, 18 to 19. Right. And we just read it. And so the Bible says, remember ye not the former things. That means yesterday is there, but it is no longer the governing factor. And let me say this over that. Remember means to bring it up and to keep it alive. The Lord says, let it go. He says, neither consider the things of old. That means this is the way things were done in this season, but things are going to change now. The difference in your life will be as the same kind of difference between summer and winter. Notice in summer, there's a lot of activity. Things are moving. Things are budding. Things are changing. Constant sea of colors. But in winter, things slow down naturally. A completely different method of operating shows up in winter. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what the Lord is saying is that you can't in winter begin to want to function like it is summer. Not, and it's not wickedness. It's just that the season you are in operate the best way for that season. And we're going to come to that in a moment. But this is what I would like to drive home. The beginning of Isaiah 43, verse 19, the Lord says the following. He says, behold. Now, to behold something is to focus on to stick with, to keep before your face. Beholding means you are, you give it all of your attention. And it's, and the, the reason for this, when the Lord says, behold, the reason for this is not far-fetched. Because you're going into a new season, because you're going somewhere you have not gone before, 
because God is introducing something that only he understands, even though he wants to bless you. I want you to understand. He says, focus on me. He says, behold, take, keep your focus on me. And the reason is obvious. Turn in your Bibles, please, ladies and gentlemen, to the book of Genesis, chapter 12. And Genesis chapter 12. And the Bible says the following, and I'll read. The Bible says the following. Now the Lord has said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. That means you don't know where you're going. And the Bible says, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And the Bible says, so Abraham departs. Now, why is that important? Abraham's going somewhere he's never been before. And so we realize Abraham's focus is Lord. When you tell me to go forward, I'll go forward. So in that situation where you are going where you have not gone before, the person you need to focus on is the person you are following. And so the Lord says, behold, pay close attention to me. He says this two or three times in scripture. And the reason I want us to remember this is this. Um, the reason I want us to remember this is, please keep it in mind, when the Lord says, behold, follow me, it is because he knows where we are going, but we don't. He understands what he wants to work out in your season, but we don't. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to realize is when God begins to introduce to you, please get please let this be your overriding focus, that the focus of the new is God. It's like following a tour guide. When you go to a new country, and in that new country, you, um, yeah, in, in, in that new country, you are, you don't know where to go. It's in a country that you don't speak the language. But there'll be a tour guide and sometimes they have these wonderful flags ahead of them and they'll say, right, we're going to this. We're going to see the Great Wall of China or we're going to see that, you know, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Or we're going to go. But they'll basically say, follow the flag. Don't get distracted. You know, don't I mean, you're going to pass lots of shops. You're going to go through places of great color. There's going to be great smells. But because we are going somewhere and you don't know the language, the layout, or the people, focus on the flag. And as long as you're following the flag, you begin to realize that you're on, you're on safe ground. Follow the details. And so the Bible says, behold, pay close attention. When you're going into a new season, the, remember, the new season is about God. It's something that he has planned. He's bringing something together. And now let's have a look. We're going to have a look at the very graphic example, but let's use Abraham again for the moment and then we'll move on. Now, the Bible says in Genesis 17, ladies and gentlemen, Genesis chapter 17. And in Genesis 17, and I'm going to read 
from verse one. Abraham is about to step into a whole new season. He's been following the Lord. Great things have happened. But Genesis 17, reading from verse one, listen to what the Lord says. And when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And he said, and I will make my covenant with thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Notice the Lord says, walk before me. Now, if I'm walking ahead of you and you are behind me, I can't keep looking back to check where you are. So what am I doing? I now start listening for your voice. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 30, and I will turn there, Isaiah 30, reading from verse 20 and 21. The Bible says the following, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity, and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore, but thine eyes shall see thy teachers. And then this is what the Bible says, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left. So the first one, the Lord says, I'm going to take you to a new place. Follow me. Then he says to Abraham, walk before me. So not only are you looking for what I'm doing, but I want you to listen to my voice. And ladies and gentlemen, that's how the Lord wants to lead you into the new. And the first thing we want to settle is this. The new is not primarily about you or I. It is primarily about God because God is running a plan for everyone at the same time. And so before we go to a, a, our final example on, on this, and we, we may look at a couple of other things, let's settle something. I know the Lord it might be leading you into a season or an area that is unfamiliar. You might find yourself looking at a tomorrow that kind of is kind of scary. Turn in your Bibles, and I'm going to, um, I, I may, yes, I will. Jeremiah chapter 29, and I'm going to look at verse 11. And the Lord gives us an assurance. And he says the following, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. So before I go on, let me read that for you in the Amplified Classic. And let's go to verse 11. And the Bible says the following, <clears throat> for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. To give you hope in your final 
outcome. Ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to understand, and I present this carefully, is this. Although the new might be unfamiliar, God means you well. And so God may be pointing you to a, a, a season, a change, a lifestyle change that is quite unusual. But at the bottom of it, please remember, the Lord loves you and he means you well. The thoughts that God thinks towards you, even though you and I may not understand them, they mean you well. And God says, I do it so that at the end of it, that at the end of it, please remember what I'm saying, it will turn out well. God says, I want to give you a future and a hope. Okay, I've got a lovely question, and I'll come to that in a moment. So I will take your question. I'm going to pause at about 7.40, 7.45, and I'll take the question. So just please keep putting the questions in the chat. So let's have a look at a graphic example of what we're talking about. Why am I not rushing to finish, ladies and gentlemen? The reason I, because is this is important because we are walking in, not that we're not waiting for, we are in the new. It is showing up. The Lord has, we've got there. He's doing it. He's making things happen around you, in you, within you, and, and all over the world. This is a Kairos moment, to use a word, which is a moment in time, almost like a hinge or a pivot. This is that kind of moment. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, kindly, let's have a look at a graphic example, a really graphic example, and then we will move on from there. Turn in your Bible, please, to the book of Joshua. And I would like you to please turn to Joshua 5. And let me give you a little bit of, of um, uh, a preamble for this. Joshua has taken over from Moses. He's leading the children of Israel. The Lord has honored him and promoted him. He's taken them across the Jordan. And the moment they go across the Jordan, the Lord says, cross here. When they cross the Jordan, right in front of them is the most formidable city in the land of Canaan, the, land, the city of Jericho. And the Bible says it is battle locked. They are ready for a fight. Nobody was going in. Nobody was coming out. They were set. And the Lord causes Israel to cross over right in front of them. Now, that, for many of us, for a normal military strategy, that's the worst thing you can do. The children of Israel have never gone through this kind of siege before. This is the toughest city. I mean, if this doesn't work, the whole thing is in jeopardy. And the Lord says, cross over directly in front of them. And so God has already said to Joshua in Joshua chapter one, reading from verse five, don't be afraid. I will be with you as I was with Moses. And that will make all the difference. And may I say that to somebody? I, I, may I speak that over your life? The simple fact is this, that in this season, God will be with you. And that will make all the difference okay that will make all the difference and so that's the situation we face Joshua 
and the children of Israel have been circumcised. The and the reproach of yesterday has been rolled away. They they're in a they're in a great season, and this situation happens. Joshua chapter five verse thirteen, and the Bible says the following, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. Now Joshua had a promise that no man will be able to stand before you. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And the Bible says, so Joshua went unto him and said, are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries thinking that, okay, do you want to start this quarrel early? I'm ready for it. And he basically, and you must remember, listen to what he says. He says, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? Now, there's a, a phrase I want you to take notice of in Joshua 5 verse 13. The phrase is that he lifted up his eyes. You'll find that in the Old Testament where God allows a man to have a brief glimpse into the spirit world to see what is happening in the invisible around him. So Joshua is being given a glimpse of something that is happening in the spiritual while he's walking around Jericho. You'll find this, this word reference time and time again. One of the most famous ones is Genesis chapter 18, the Bible says, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw, and he saw the Lord and two angels coming towards him, meaning God gave him the ability to see something in the spiritual that was not naturally visible to the naked eyes. Just thought I'd throw that in. You can check that out through the Bible. It's a lot of fun to do so. And so he's standing in front of this man, and this is the conversation that ensues. And he said, that means the man that he spoke to says, nay, now pause for a moment. Joshua said, are you on our side? Are you on their side? Meaning, are you here to make what we are here to do? Or are you here to make what they are here to do? Which is how we see life is black and white. If it's not good, it must be bad. If it's not left, it must be right. Listen very carefully to what the Lord says. And we realize he's speaking to the Lord um, in a moment. And the Bible says, and the Lord said, nay. That means I'm not primarily here to get your task done. Neither am I here to stop them getting it done but he says as captain of the host of the lord am i now come meaning i'm not on anybody's side i am coming here to do the will of god meaning god's will is paramount above the outcome of what Joshua wanted to happen in that the Lord says, I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not here to get your job done. No, no, no. I'm here to fulfill the will of the Lord. Now, please remember that fact. It is God that matters the most. And, I, and, and please remember, it is the Lord 
that matters the most as you walk into the new. It is the Lord that's going to get you the job. It is the Lord that's going to turn your seasons. It's the Lord that's going to cause you to find the person you're going to marry. It is the Lord that's going to heal you. It is the Lord that's going to cause you to buy the house that will bless you 20 years down the line. It is the Lord that's going to put you in a place where ministry will flourish. It is the Lord. And this is really important. And the Bible says, I'm here as the captain of the host. That means I'm here to command the forces of the almighty God. We are going to get one person's thing done. And that is the Lord. And then the conversation, the story goes as follows. As follows. And the Bible says, and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. So we realize Joshua is not talking to an angel. He's talking to the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. The reason we know this to be the case is angels, barring the fallen ones, don't accept worship. They are not here to collect worship. The per this person accepted worship and then says what God said to Moses in Exodus chapter three, where he said, where you are standing because I am here is holy. And he's literally then the rest of Joshua's life literally takes an amazing turn for the best. But notice what the Lord said. He said, I'm here as captain of the Lord's host. That means I am here to do the will of God. And ladies and gentlemen, aligning with the will of God is one of the most powerful things you can do, whether that be in prayer, Bible study, or actions, words, or thoughts. That Lord, I line up behind what you want to do. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we want to, I want you to realize that. One other scripture that drives this home, and then we will move on. Please um, turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 103. And we're going to read from 19. Psalm 103. We're going to read from 19. Like I said, in 10 minutes, I'm going to start taking questions. I will pause wherever I am and I'm going to take questions. I'm not going to rush through this study. So it's, just, it's going to hopefully you'll have a lot of fun. The Bible says the following in Psalm 103, verse 19. And this is the last scripture we use for this. And then we'll wrap it up for this point. And the Bible says the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. The Bible then says, bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments. Notice, hearkening unto the voice of his word. The invisible forces that get things done hearken to one thing, the voice of 
of the word of God. But the beautiful thing I want you to remember is that you, ladies and gentlemen, as God's child, have the ability to declare God's word and the, everything around you will respond as if it was God talking. We see that in Mark 11. I won't turn there. Mark 11, 22 to 24. When you declare God's word in faith, everything around you will respond as just as if it is your father speaking. And the Bible says this is really important. It's important because when you're going into the new, I want you to remember, and I, I know I've said it a lot of times today, the new is primarily about God. Why am I saying that? Because God is working out a plan that he has only shown you a tiny bit of, but he has everybody's life plans, futures all laid out in front of him. And so you realize he's working out something that he cannot tell you. So what does he do? He plants his word in your heart. And that then begins the process to bring to pass what God has planned for you. I really hope somebody is encouraged. Even though the way you're, you're walking or what you're going through may not seem to make a lot of sense, God is working out something for your good. And he's the focus. So put your focus on him. All right. Please put your focus on him. And so that's what we wanted to realize. And so the new is always about God. The second thing we want to talk about today, and this, we may not get through all of it because I will pause to take questions. Actually, let me take the two questions that we've been given and then we'll move on. So this will all wrap up in point one. Um, okay, very interesting. I've got a very lovely question and this is the question. The question says, I wonder, does that also mean that if you are in lock and step with the Lord, then your God-given free will aligns with God's plan. So he allows you to quote unquote lead and he supports the plans because he is in agreement. That's a very lovely question. Rem now give it some thought. Imagine there are two ways to follow a satellite navigation system. One of them is to look at the glance at the map. Now, because you're driving, you can't stare at it, but you glance at the map and you realize, okay, there's a roundabout, you know, 200 yards ahead. I'll, I'll prepare for it, or I'm going to turn left because the, the picture on the satellite navigation system says turn left. But remember, the navigation system is still in charge. So I'm looking at it. And then I drive, I get, I see a roundabout, you know, and then I turn left because it says so, or I turn right. So that's one way to follow a navigation system. So please keep this in mind that your question is fantastic. And I'll give you a scriptural foundation for it in a moment. The second thing I want you to, to remember, ladies and gentlemen, the second way to follow a, a satellite navigation system is to ignore it. And can you, you know, sometimes when you've got a sat nav, maybe like mine, and if it's hot or cold, it falls off the screen. It doesn't stop. 
but, but it falls off the screen so you can't see it and you can't slow down to pick it up. But because it is still talking, it is still in control. So now what am I focusing on? I'm just focusing on the road and I'm waiting to hear the satellite navigation system say in 200 yards, go into the left lane or in 700 yards, go, you'll come to a roundabout, take the second exit. I can't see the picture, but the, because I can hear the instructions, the satellite navigation system is still in charge. Do we agree? So let me give you a scriptural basis for that. Turning your Bibles, lady, and by the way, that's a fantastic question. Because sometimes it feels like, well, God, if I don't have to turn, you can keep going. Now imagine the satellite navigation system says, all right, for the next 40 minutes, drive 25 miles down the M1. You can choose any lane you like. You can go in the fast lane, the middle lane, or the slow lane. But you're going in the right direction. And the satellite navigation system is not going to say a word. Why? Because you're going in the direction it wants you to. If you want to stop and get a burger, no drama. If you want to continue, but it says, you know, for the next 25 miles, drive straight. Basically, you can now say to yourself, hey, I'm in charge. No, you're not. But you don't need to make any course corrections currently. So the satellite navigation system will be silent. In the very same way, when you are walking with the Lord, and lest he wants you to turn left or right, he might be quiet. That doesn't mean you're on your own. That's why I love this question. Turning your Bibles, and I'm going to show you um, one of the beautiful ways that this happens. Turning your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. And I'm going to read verses one to three, but I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic version of the Bible. This is why I love questions. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, the plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man, but from the Lord comes the wise answer of the tongue. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts and intents of the heart verse three roll your works upon the lord commit and trust them wholly to him he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will and so shall your plans be established and succeed Notice, the Bible says when you commit your way to the Lord and you say, Lord, you know what? I'm only going to go your way. I'm thinking up, I'm thinking up ways, I'm plan, running plans. But you know what, Lord? Doesn't matter what I think up, I commit my way to you. That means I place myself within the boundaries of your will. The Bible says God will use your God-given faculties to direct you so you will come up with a plan a scheme a method or an action that aligns with god's will and off you go but notice he's still in charge why you asked him that lord here are my plans 
take over. It's like the satellite navigation system turning off the picture, but you still hear the words. Okay, I really hope that helps. Um, fantastic question. Second question that we want to look at, ladies and gentlemen, um, I could go to other scriptures, but for the sake of time, I would I would like to actually one more that I want to drive home, just to drive this home. Um, let's go to Romans 12, 1. And I'm going to read it in the King James Version of the Bible. The Bible says, I'm going to read verse 1, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Step 1. Let's go to step 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says you will be able to determine intelligently the will of God when your mind, that means the way you think, the way you see tomorrow, the way you process information is renewed. So you are now thinking like God. You can, in any situation, determine. Therefore, you'll realize by virtue of the fact that uh, I, I understand this is how God functions, this is what he does, and this is definitely what he wants to do. You can say, right, I know for a fact God wants me to do this. And all of a sudden, you are now determining by thought the will of God because you have allowed God to reshape your thought processes, your values, your motives, and your reasoning. So now you can confront a situation and the Holy Spirit will nudge you and you'll be able to say, this is what God wants me to do, or this is what God doesn't want me to do. Meaning you are not a robot, but now God has trained you to identify this is me. It's like the picture has been turned down, but you can still hear the voices. All right, let's move on. Thank you. It was a great question. Great question. Okay. Um, second question is this. How do you stay encouraged when you've gone through a pattern in which God has spoken and directed you and things, opportunities that are promising start to happen, but in the process, they do not amount to anything? And it was something that was not in your control. Great question. Okay. How do you stay encouraged when God's given you a direction and all of a sudden you find yourself going through quote unquote difficult times? All of a sudden it doesn't feel like it's working. All of a sudden it feels like, wait, but wait, there are now challenges. But God, you asked me to come here. How do you stay encouraged? Let me put this in context. 
come with me, please. The I'll, I'll give you hopefully a step-by-step -step answer that will really help. The first thing is, this is what I want you to hold on to. Come with me, ladies and gentlemen, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 50, verse 10. And the Bible says, and I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. The first thing that you need to do is this. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? That seems to be a paradox. And then he says, let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Let me break that down. That means when you have obeyed God and you have done what he says, the Bible says that even if the circumstances do not agree currently with what God is saying, you stay focused on the fact that God did not abandon you where you are and he can be trusted isaiah 50 verse 10 so when you're going through a challenge and things are dark the first thing to remember is that god said i will never leave you nor forsake you the bible also says that when god gives you a promise you hold on to that word and based upon, irrespective of the circumstances, God's word to you is true. Now, this is key. So the Bible says, stay, trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon your God. That means year one, let, let me use a simple example. Let's use employment. Let's say year one, God says, you know what? I'm going to make a space for you. I'm going to get you into that dream job. I'm going to make a space for you. Dream one, you don't get it. You're still on benefits. You may get a basic job or you may get a job that's not in the, the world you want to get to. But God gave you a promise that this is where you're going. God gave you a picture, an assurance, a promise. He's given you that. Listen, I'm the God that opens doors. Trust me. What does he want you to do, even though things aren't working? Irrespective of your circumstances, trust the faithfulness of the God you serve. Let me say it this way. Your circumstances do not determine the faithfulness of your God. Please remember that. Your God will keep his word no matter what. To back that up, Genesis 18, verse 14. This is the, so this I'm just using this is the first thing you need to do when you're going through a difficult time. Genesis 18, verse 14 is the Lord says when he came to Abraham, Abraham's now up. Um, over 100 his wife is 99 the possibility physically of them having a child has gone but God promised them a child when that possibility still existed 
Listen carefully. God now says, right, I'm here now. Next year, according to the time of life, your wife will have a child. And this is what happens. I'm going to read from verse, um, I'll read from nine. And they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? Genesis 18, verse nine. And he said, behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. That means she had gone through menopause and it was done. The Bible says, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also, because she was focusing on the circumstances. Listen carefully. And the Lord said unto Abraham, notice, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Just the key thought, not the focus. The Bible says she said it in her heart and God heard. Just remember that. The Bible says, then the Lord says the following, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. Listen to me carefully. There is no promise that God has made to you that the circumstances are going to present themselves and say it is now impossible. God will keep his word. So that's the first thing. The second thing you need to do in a difficult situation is please remember the power is in your mouth. The circumstances will yield to your confession of the promise that God gave you. And this is what I want. You are not a victim. And so many times when things are going wrong and it's like, oh, I've tried it. You know, I'm trying to be a great person. I'm trying to have a good life and it's not working. Things are going difficult. Things are difficult. But the Lord gave me a promise that this was going to be my this is going to be my wealthy place. God's going to open doors for me. What God wants you to keep going is this. Let me find it for you. Um, Hebrews 10. Let me, sorry, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Let's go to verse 36. The Bible says, Verse 35, Hebrews 10, 35. The Bible says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Let me find another. I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to. 
Hebrews 10.23. Let's keep that in mind. The Bible says, I'll read from 22. And let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. That's Hebrews 10, 22 to 23. Now, what I want you to realize, and please keep this in mind, and this is uh, and this is how you keep yourself encouraged. You have to declare God's word to your circumstances, to your situations, and to your daily life. That's how you cause the promise God gave you to impact your circumstances. And when you do so, the Bible says, Hebrew, Mark chapter 11, 22 to 24, that when you speak the promise of God in faith, God will move the mountain on your behalf. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to remember, and this was a really great question, how do you keep yourself encouraged? Say over yourself what God has said to you ad infinitum and you will realize what you are saying will begin to govern your circumstances at the end of the pursuit of god the lord gave me a word and i didn't know he said this is no actually at the beginning he said this is your word for the season isaiah chapter 50 verse 7 and the bible says the following for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I shall not be confounded. Therefore, have I set my face like a flint, for I know I shall not be ashamed. I have said that for the last seven or eight weeks. Little did I know that I was walking into a season of change that is phenomenal. But all I had to hold on to was the promise of the Lord. And he has, that word is basically governing my existence. And so what I want you to realize, just to give you one more example, this is where we're going to close out. I'm, I'm fine with that. The woman with the issue of blood, Mark 5, 25 to 35, noticed the key. The Bible says, while she was bleeding, while she was looking for Jesus, while the circumstances were getting worse and worse, she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. I will touch the hem of his garment and I'm going to be okay. Notice God made sure she found Jesus in Israel without a satellite navigation system. God made sure her path and Jesus' path crossed. God made sure that she had the opportunity to do what she says and thereby changed her life. And it will be the same with you. I don't know the details of what you're going through, but one thing I can tell you is that the word God gave you is strong enough to change your circumstances.
So ladies and gentlemen, we come to eight o'clock and we're done for today. And let's say a prayer together. I really hope that helped somebody. I really wish you the very best. And so ladies and gentlemen, the one thing that we've driven home today, and we're going to take it step by step because this is the season that God wants us to hold on to. And it is this. The new is about God. That means you don't need to worry. God will guide, lead, and ensure you know, and you know enough to walk in the new so that he can give you what he has planned, but also make happen what he needs to make happen around you so that you become somebody else's miracle. Ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to join my faith with those of you that are believing God for a miracle. I really give you give God all the praise, honor, glory, and adoration. And I believe in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that this week I join my faith with yours, especially if the situation is critical, that God will step into your life and change it. If you're listening online, wherever you are, the power of God will get to you. I wish you the very best, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a fun journey, and we'll see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful evening. God bless you.